Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is Coach Brendan, sir. Uh, really excited about today. Our guest, Nate Oates, incredible coach, University of Buffalo. I think you're going to see, you're going to relate to him in a huge way. An 11-year high school coach just outside Detroit, you know, a guy coming from Wisconsin, has no ties to the area, comes in and has to take over in a community that he's frankly an outsider. And man, did he change the culture of that program. And then catches on as an assistant to Bob Hurley at the University of uh, Buffalo, and then within two years becomes the head coach. And now this year, incredible upset over Arizona in the first round, uh, and then a tough second-round game with Kentucky. Uh, I've known Nate for years. The thing I love about him, he's an incredible learner, uh, never stops. He's all about people. I think you're really going to enjoy him. Also, I want to mention to you that our Coaching You uh, live event in July 9-10 in Vegas, we're now down to the last few days. At midnight of the finals on April 2nd, early bird discount over. Take advantage of this opportunity. We're rolling this out today. If you sign up, once you sign up for the event, you will be able to participate in something I've never done before. But I want to share ideas with coaches. So we're going to do a weekly, basically an hour-long coaching call. I call it almost a mini-clinic. And it's only the people that have signed up for Coaching You in July are eligible. We'll get the number to call in. You get to ask me questions. You get to ask me any questions you want. We'll try to answer them that day. The ones we don't, we'll roll them into the next week. All the calls will be recorded. If you can't be on the call, we'll send them to you the next day. Fantastic. I've looked at it. Uh, with Zach and Alex, and I think we got about 13 weeks of these. So picture the event out in Vegas, all the things you're going to get, and then 13 mini clinics via phone each week. It's pretty darn good. I'm excited to do it. I hope you're excited to learn. We'll be back in a minute with Nate Oates. Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy-to-use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastScout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional sky reports customized for your team. FastModel is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of Division I college teams and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills for their online coaching community. For access... To these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. 
Hey, let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market today. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and to provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind of basketball shooting industry that enables coaches and players to stay connected, design and upload training exercises that combine shooting, conditioning, and ball handling into one complete workout, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is without question the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. It's been the official shooting machine of Coaching You for the last two years. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. In this edition, I'm so excited to have uh, an old friend, Nate Oates, uh, the head coach of the State University of New York at Buffalo commonly called the University of Buffalo Bulls. Nate, how are you, my friend? Doing well. Thanks, Brendan. You know, when we were uh, sitting together uh, last August at the University of Florida, where we go annually for our little, I call it a think tank, where, you know, 50 or so of us get together and we exchange ideas on the game. Did you ever think you were going to kick Arizona's ass when you were sitting there? <laughs> you know what? I can't. I can't say that I thought that no. was going to happen. I knew we had a chance to be pretty good this year, but that shoot—you never know who you're going to get. And I certainly was hoping for, you know, when they're the preseason number one team in the uh, country, I, I I didn't think we'd be a 16 seed, so I didn't think we'd be playing Arizona. So yeah, t- different stuff happens though. You know, I, I you know I happened to be traveling that day, uh, ironically from Orlando back to Baton Rouge, and so I'm listening to the game on uh, Sirius Radio, and you know, and when I saw that you were 16 seed, I thought that was so unfair, and and then to see that matchup. Oh God! You know you have a great year in that matchup, and, <laughs> yeah. and then like, I was the same way. Yeah, yeah we, and, ended, I mean, we ended up with a thirteen seed, but you would never I mean, thought third, Arizona uh, yeah. would be a four seed. Like, yes, exactly. I thought they were going to be higher, and I thought we were going to be higher. Yeah, exactly. And so all of a sudden, I'm saying to myself, "How is this happening? How is this happening? How did it happen?" Yeah, you talk about how yeah. did we? Beat how did you beat them? I mean, you know, from your yeah, point of view. So. Yeah, so you, I, I had the same reaction as you did when we had the selection show. You know, they had, went to a nice little restaurant, Santoris here, so it pops mm-hmm. up, and I was like, uh, I, my first thought was not not good. I turned to my two bigs next to me. I'm like, you guys want to be pros? You got your hands full <laughs> against Aiden. So then, then, you know, you do all the media stuff. Then you get to the office Sunday night, and then you start watching some film, and, and I actually started to think we might have a shot just because – I mean, Sean's a great coach. He does an unbelievable job, but he, you know, he really was only playing about six players. Yeah, they only had one ball handler. I thought we had really, really good defensive guards that could put a ton of pressure on the ball, and if you know, if you could get him in foul trouble, you'd be all right. And then they they played the two seven footers, which you know he had to do. I mean, they're probably two two of his three best scorers, probably. But when you do that, your spacing gets a little screwed up and I thought we could put enough pressure on the ball and you know front the post and get back I mean shoot you were in the NBA and college both you know it's a lot easier to take a big out of a college game than it is an NBA game because they don't have the 
illegal defense rules and all that. Sure. You can sit a guy right behind him and in front of it. And we so we. Yeah. I, the more I watched, the more I thought we had a shot, and I knew I had to come in and sell our guys. That so the next, you know, I had a whole. You take all your notes. You got Arizona defense, Arizona offense, and I, I made a separate page. I don't usually do. I put why we're going to win the game because I knew I had to convince our players we were going to win this game before we actually went in. And I, I wrote down all the analytics. I wrote down, you know, we're one of the faster teams in the country. They're slow. They're we're going to run. You know, they don't shoot very many threes. I think they were 312th in the country in percentage of points from three. They can't guard us on the perimeter because they got two seven foot. I had the whole list of why, why we were going to beat them, and I sold it to them on Monday, and I just kept preaching it till, till the game on Thursday, and it's a two point game at the half, and I really felt like it, we could have been up more because we had nine turnovers if we take care of the ball, and then shoot. Next thing you know, we're up twenty five. I, I I don't know what happened. <laughs> you know, so when you go back. And you know, and and what happens usually when you either either win a huge game or you lose a huge game? Sometimes I never watch the film again. <laughs> I don't want to spoil <laughs> yeah. it. You know. uh, but when when you looked at it again in the second half, what did you see? You know what? Uh, I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> That's I, isn't it <laughs> the truth? Yeah. Now my wife turned it on the other day because she recorded it on our DVR at home, and I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll sit down and watch it, and then. Something came up, and I was like, I'll watch it another time. I watched it yet. Like, cause, yeah. Because, you know, you go right away to trying to prep for Kentucky, and then that, that one didn't go nearly as well as we had hoped. But then, you know, then you get home, and you're just kind of exhausted. And then yeah. then they've got games on TV, and you kind of want to watch. You know, I'm a basketball junkie, so I'm watching NIT and NBA and NCA games last night. And now all of a sudden you're – I still haven't watched it yet, so I, uh, I can't, no, and I I can't I, answer your question. There's games that there's there's NBA Finals games that I've coached nine of them, and I don't think I've watched one of them in totality yet. Imagine, really? Yeah, yeah, see, yeah. See, you know what you know. Yeah, what I'm I mean that's what about. I'm saying. So and and games that we've lost, like the, the last time when the Bulls took us out after we were defending James, I've never I've never watched that again. Yeah, you don't you don't no, want to watch no, that. No, That'll take you in a dark spot. That, yeah, that, exactly. The, the, the big wins though, you can. Pop, pop that VHS in and, and put that thing. If you still got the, uh, <laughs> oh, we have VHS. We have about thirty of them here. We, that's how old we are, man. But you know, <laughs> my wife, she doesn't throw anything away. But and we, I have every VHS tape of all time. Uh, so yeah, we have that. Let me ask you now: when you're, you when you come, now I don't want to go yet back to when you're coaching in high school. But when you join Bob Hurley's staff at Buffalo, a how did that happen? What was the connection between you and Bob, who I've known since literally, I, I'm going to scare our listeners, since he was a baby, literally, because his dad and I well, were that close. Well, I was going to say his dad's kind of in the business a little bit. He, <laughs> you know, just a little. And and, you, and you've been in the business for a yeah. couple of years, too, so that doesn't surprise me you knew him that long. So, no, I, the, the way I get in with Bob was really through Danny Moore. Oh. Well, it actually it goes back, so – me, but going back to high school, when I was at Romulus, me and my assistant would take, every year we would take a trip and we would change it up. Like we'd go either watch an NBA training camp or right. go to a college and spend a, you know, a long weekend or five days. Like when Wahlberg got the Pepperdine job, we went out there and spent five days kind wow. of just studying, you know, his, his offense. We went down to Memphis when Hubie was doing, you know, he used to do training camp like, like, a, like a coach's clinic down yes, in Memphis. Did. So that was great. 
So so I caught, so as soon as Danny Hurley got the Wagner job right out of high school, I said to jo- Josh Baker, who's my assistant, we used to go. I said to Josh, I'm like, let's let's try to go to Wagner and let's get it where Bob Senior's going to be there. We can sit down with Bob Senior for an afternoon, you know, while we're watching Danny like go through his, you know, his first few days of practice. So I called the Wagner basketball office, and you know, they they're not a big time, you know, Power Five conference. <laughs> I don't think they had a secretary because I got a hold of Bobby. I was like, dang, like, I just talked to Bobby early. Like, he answered the phone. And, you know, so I grew up watching Bobby play. And when he won a couple games as a uh, point guard at Duke. So so I talked to Bobby then. And, you know, he gives me the cell phone. And, like, yeah, let's try to work it out. So we went back and forth. And his dad was never going to be there on a weekend. We could go there. So it, it didn't work out. I can't remember where we went that year. We went somewhere else instead. But, so that was my first interaction with, well, then they turn around at Wagner. Now they get to Rhode Island and Rhode Island's assistant, Preston Murphy had been recruiting one of my kids, EC Matthews, but they, they weren't winning and he, EC wasn't going to go there. Well, all of a sudden they hired Danny. So now Danny gets on the recruiting deal and starts to recruit EC. So Danny goes all in with me and Preston had done a good job building it. So, so I, I built a really good relationship with Danny through EC's recruitment. And then, you know, Bobby gets the job after their first year in Rhode Island. I, I shoot Danny a text, like, it's, you know, that afternoon. I pull EC in. I'm like, hey, Bobby just got the job at Buffalo. Uh, you know, I still think you should go to Rhode Island. He's like, yeah, I'm in for sure, you know. Because part of the sales pitch is you can come to Rhode Island and learn under Bobby Hurley, the best point guard to play in college basketball, which was, you know, a Pretty great good. recruiting pitch to a kid that wants to be a point guard. So I texted Danny, like, listen, congrats. You've had two assistants in three years as a head coach in Division One. Go to get head jobs. That's great. Really happy for you. Doing a great job. No worries with EC. He's still coming to Rhode Island. And he texts me back right away. Thanks, Nate. Super busy. I'll call you later tonight. So he calls me, and he basically tells me the hundreds of texts that he's gotten. He's like, Nate, like, you have no idea. These people, like, this is my brother we were together this long, like these people don't get it. They're, they're all looking for a job, you know? And he's like, anybody that texts me for a job this afternoon, like they're out. I'm not even messing with them. So then he kind of says like, look, I can't hire you here at Rhode Island. Cause I didn't ask him for a job. I just said, you know, congrats, happy for you guys. And he said, would you be interested? And I said, well, yeah, I, I, he goes, I can't hire you here. I've already got a Michigan guy, but would you want to get on with Bobby? And I said, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd love to. So then he texts me 10 minutes later because he said, all right, I'm going to call Bob. He said, Bob's interested. Bob calls me. We interview at the Final Four, and that, that's how it happened. Wow. Yeah. How good is that, it was, right? It was good. Yeah. It was great. I mean, and to be honest with you, I built the program. When I interviewed with Bob, I told him, I said, listen, I built this thing at Romulus. Like, we were top 25 in the country, and we had it rolling, and we just won a state championship. I said, listen, you're, like your dad's story at St. Anthony's has kind of put me in a spot where I'm not – trying to jump like when i first got to romulus i would have jumped into any division one program (laughs) anywhere but then as it went along and you built it and you kind of see what you know it's sometimes the division one assistant thing ain't all it's cracked up to be and your family's moving every two years and i didn't want to do that i had three young daughters yep so i kind of said to him like you know like your dad your dad's stories a little bit inspired me to where i'm not just going anywhere so if you know we got to we got to win here. If I, if we, if I leave here to go to Buffalo, this thing's got to work. So I, I was pretty convinced that they, they, you know, we could win there and 
I kind of gambled right. It, it looks like so. <laughs> it's a good move. It's a good move in hindsight. I think. I, I yeah, I would say so. And and tell me about uh, again. Uh, tell me about you know. Obviously, uh, we know this from um, you know me working with a lot of NBA terrific players, and then some becoming coaches. Uh, that's not a guarantee that you're going to be a good coach. What? Now, and Danny and Bobby, obviously, Danny was a very good high school player, but they, and Danny was an okay college player. But what was the difference between what made Bobby a good college coach? Well, I, you know, yeah, because Danny, yeah, Danny's deal. I think Danny was a thousand point scorer. You know, so he's pretty good. But yeah, Bobby, no, was, Bobby was like, yeah, Bobby I think was still Bobby the, was the best leader in college yeah. basketball. Yeah, he's the best, right? Yeah, I mean, he's yeah, he's un- unbelievable. They won champion national championships at Duke. I'll, I'll say this, like. Bob, so Bob, part of the reason Dan kind of had suggested to Bob that he should hire me is he, Dan had, or Bob had only been an assistant for three years under Dan and had never been a head coach. And he felt right. like he needed somebody on staff that had been a head coach. And I run my own program for 11 years. So I get out there like Bob's definitely in charge. I mean, if you know Bobby, oh, yeah. he's the boss. He's the boss. And, and I, you know, and I was completely fine with that. I think like why he, he, what made him a, such a good player in my and again, I didn't coach him. You knew him more as a player than I. Or I didn't sure. know him when he was a player, but just his, it, like his competitive drive is like unreal. Like he he's he's not a very good loser. Mm-hmm. He uh, he losing doesn't sit well with him at all. And he'll do whatever it takes. I mean, not cheating. Obviously, he's not he's not one of those. He's not doing yeah. that. But I'm saying like whatever he's gonna drive his team to get wins because he is not a he is a miserable person when he is losing and it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but he's that to me, just his competitive drive. And then he's obviously got the basketball feel. He grew up in a family. He, he's, he's really good offensively figuring out, you know, mismatches and can go at guys. He gets guys to play really hard and then he relates to them. So to me, I mean, the X's and O's, like, you got to be great at that. I mean, shoot, that's why we do coaching you. And that's why I've bought every single one of your <laughs> You know, I'm going to look at that. I study it, but you can be the greatest X and O guy in the world, and if you can't get your players to play hard, it doesn't really matter. It's nothing. So I think, I think he got. We got our guys to play really hard. Bobby did a great job with that. He can relate to them, and shoot, and he's shoot, pretty smart basketball wise too. It helps when you grow up with one of the best basketball oh. coaches ever, with his dad and his brother's obviously pretty good. Just took the UConn chop, sure. so. The whole the whole pedigree there is right there. What was uh, in you know again not working for Dan but having EC play for him and he's a fabulous player by the way. God darn, what a player, what a career he's had. And what what do you think? What's the biggest difference with Danny and Bobby? Because they're both incredibly competitive, as you've mentioned. Yeah, they, you know what? I, it's a good question because I haven't worked with Danny. I yeah. mean, I've, I've got good friends that were assistants. I think you know what well, I've. Obviously, Bobby's. Uh, I mean, they both they both uh, are really fiery. Like, but I think right now Bobby might be even a little more fiery, at least on the sideline. You know, I've read the articles that Dan's now calmed down. Dan's a new, a new. <laughs> I'm, he, I'm not he, sure how he did until a couple of games ago. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll see at UConn next year. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, Bob Bob's a little more fiery that way. I mean, Dan, the thing is, Dan's a little more. Probably, you know, he, he ran his own high school program for, I think, nine yeah. years at St. Benedict. So he, he's program. got a little more experience being a head coach. Mm-hmm. But then Bobby's got the, 
everybody like when when I got to Buffalo, like Buffalo really didn't have a name when I got here. Right. So when I was when I was recruiting players, that the players that got us to the NCAA tournament that mm-hmm. second year Bob was here, like I had to recruit Bobby Hurley. I wasn't selling <laughs> Buffalo. I was selling Bobby Hurley. So I think so. Bobby still got for those of us that are in our forties and fifties and watched him play. Like he still got a national name. I mean, these now these players don't have any idea who he was back in the day. You have to tell them to go YouTube it and all that. But like their dads <laughs> do. So when you call when you call the dads and moms, they know who Bobby Hurley is. That's huge. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, tell me about and and the thing I love about Detroit and I love Detroit. It's the best place I ever lived of any place in the country. Uh, because I love the people of Detroit and uh, know Ramos very, very well. A tough town, uh, a blue-collar town, uh, great people down there, uh, diverse population. What made NATO's fit in Ramos? Yeah, I think you hit it head on. I, I, well, I grew up in Wisconsin, so I've yeah, got I know. The, I said to myself, man, that's a you know that's a that's a different Wisconsin to Ramos. I went, wow. Different. Yeah. <laughs> so I so back even when I was in Wisconsin though. So they, so I played Division three ball. My dad's a, a theology professor at Maranatha Baptist. It's a small liberal arts Division three school, and I that's where I played. But there was an African American teammate of mine that came from Detroit named Ed Horn. That kind of that talked me into applying for right. Like I was a Division three assistant. I was at the University of Wisconsin Whitewater at the time. Sure. I'd been a D three assistant for five years, and I didn't plan on going to high school, but Ed. Ed was teaching at Romulus, talked me into applying, really helped get me the job. I, I really went out there having zero intentions of taking it. I just wanted to go through the interview process. And then I, I, I'm too competitive to actually get into the, uh, you know, they had like, I don't know, 100 people apply. Ed told me, I don't know exactly. They interviewed eight. I'm like, listen, if I'm going to interview, I'm going to make them offer me the job. And then I'm just going to turn it down. Sure. And, and, you know, and stay in college. So then I get out there and I actually – like meet the people well i had an affinity for like inner city kids like i used to go to a like a prison like for a youth a juvenile but it was maximum security when i was in college and and do some like we did like some bible like studies there and then i but then i'd follow up with the kids when they got out going to like inner city milwaukee so i there was like a part of me that had an affinity for for that for that community and you know romulus well very well it's not like you know but they had enough of those kids like you said it was real diverse but a lot more diverse than the town I grew up. So I, I, when I went there, I really fell in love with the, the kids and the community. And Ed introduced me to the players, and he introduced me to. And all of a sudden, I'm starting to think like, look, I'm gonna make them off me the job. I'm gonna win this interview, and then I might actually take the job. <laughs> so they, they do. They offer me the job. They, they have me. T- they I interview for the basketball job one day. Then they asked me to stay and teach a, a math lesson the next day because they wanted a teacher. They wanted to make building. sure you teach. Yeah. Yeah, and it was smart. I mean, they, they literally, they were smart. The administration there was good because when they had let the previous coach go, he was working in a plant and he wasn't a teacher. Uh, and they, they knew the best thing to do was get it. So they left every single teaching spot open. So I was a math teacher. So they had me teach a math lesson. I, you know, I did the best PowerPoint I ever did. I, you know, <laughs> never, never used the PowerPoints much after the, the uh, initial <laughs> lesson there. But I, <laughs> I, I sold them on that. They offered me the job. I called my wife. <laughs> she's she's from Colorado. You know, oh God! She asked me about a bullet. Is she going to need a bulletproof vest? <laughs> I'm like, no, we'll be all right. Then our our first game, we I don't know if you remember when you lived back there. We oh. played against Wayne, so it was Romulus versus Wayne. Oh God! 
we get out in the parking lot after the game. Like my parents came in from Wisconsin. Oh my god! You go to a Watertown game where I'm from. There's there's no. They haven't seen any no white people. There. They haven't seen any white people there in years, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, we get out. There's eight cop cars with their lights on in the parking lot after the game. I'm like, what the? What is going on? Apparently, somebody pulled a gun out after the game yeah. in the parking lot. We don't so, like losing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. That's, so anyways, I spent 11 years there, but I'm gonna say like it was. Like I, the eleven years I spent at Romulus, and I got to really know Detroit well, and all the high school coaches in Detroit, and some of them are still my best friends. Like yep. I, I, I love the city. I'm with you. Like I love Detroit, and I love Buffalo, but it's no, it, but it's, it's, it's not a, that much different. No, I was like, just gonna say I, I, I'm very familiar with Buffalo. I love Buffalo too. I love those kind of cities, and uh, you know, and I, I, we have a ton of high school coaches, Nate, that listen, and. Uh, they, they they're constantly you know wanting to learn and I, and I think it's really important I know you know I've been on staffs where I'm the only white coach an entire black staff uh, I've been in the pros where I had 15, 14 14 black players and David Lee okay uh, entire black coaching staff except me I am so comfortable in an environment because they're great people and there's love there, right? So t- no, it's talk true. To, I mean, yeah. I love the like my assistant there, Stevie Glenn, for all eleven years. Out, he's still one of my best friends. We talk all the time. Him and his, I like, I loved that whole community. But if you've never been in it, it it's obviously different. There's cultural differences, and I, those eleven years I spent there are invaluable to me in recruiting. I, I, that helped me not just to recruit in Detroit, but to go into any home in the country with the same, you know, cultural. You know, different. There's differences. Here's if you don't if you don't know them, you can't be comfortable in that community. Nate, here's my question for you. Okay, you're a kid out of I'm going to say more rural Wisconsin. Okay, and now you come to a very intense situation in a city not far from downtown Detroit. Okay, and how does one person, an outsider? get accepted what is the secret to be accepted by people that are different and i you know and I, you know where i'm going on this because i think yeah it attri- no question yeah i mean it was said i mean like when i got there and they you know should we hire a minority yeah. i and listen for 11 years at romulus and i'm going to give you one of the interview questions i asked for 11 years i never coached a caucasian kid at romulus so right. I, they were all african-americans except i had one kid that uh was He's half half Mexican, half Filipino. He was the only kid that wasn't African American. So they asked me the question in there because the school was supposedly fifty fifty when I was coming in. By the time I left, I think it was more eighty twenty. But right. they said, "Now listen, the school's fifty percent Caucasian, and there's no Caucasians on the team. What are you going to do to integrate the team?" That was one of the questions I got in my interview process. That? So I, that was your job. That was your job to integrate it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, and I. My answer was, listen, I'm not putting a kid on the team because he's black or white. I'm putting a kid on the team because he's good enough. I'm going to make all races feel comfortable enough to try out. And if they try out and they're good enough, I'll put them on. Well, never happened. So, it, it, you know, it is what it is. But but I'll say this. what How I how you make it in there yeah. is you just you just be real. Like you love, you yep. love the kids, you love That's the community, and, and you put everything you have into them, and they see right through it. They, they, it doesn't matter what your skin color is. I mean, there's – people that are black that that don't treat the black kids well well they see through that they, they would rather deal with it doesn't matter i mean you can be hispanic chinese it doesn't matter like go in there 
and, and give you everything you have. like. We started six a.m. workouts, and I, and I told them in the interview, like it's going to be more important for me to place these kids in college than it is to win games because that's more life changing for these kids than winning games. Now, winning is going to take care of itself, which it obviously yeah. did with our record there. But if you care about the kids, them getting a college scholarship, and I was I was more proud of that almost than winning the championships and like that seeing a kid that wouldn't have gone to school now go to school for free and get a college degree like that that's that was more important to me and really when people realize that's what you're about they're, they're going to accept you because they know you're looking out for them and you're going to make our player development there I mean we we went 12 months out of the year we went before school after school when, when you're spending that much time in the gym with a kid making them better and getting them a scholarship and making calls and sending out videos and the whole deal and making making sure that they get into school on a scholarship that 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 takes care of itself when they know you're real like that. And that was that was my point Nate is that your whole coaching philosophy is based number 1 on love. And, you know you know and I think there's no way you can be successful nowadays unless you authentically love the kids you're coaching. I don't care about their talent because those kids they are so smart. I don't care what their grade point average is. I don't care what their SAT or ACT scores are. They are smart. They're street smart, and they can tell if you love them and care about them, right? No, they really can. And I, we kind of went through this deal this off season here at Buffalo. And we, we call it our culture playbook. I don't know if you've read the book Above the Line, Urban Meyer's deal. Sure, terrific. But yeah, so, so yeah, so the Tim Kite that that worked with them, his son Brian Kite, came to Buffalo. Uh huh. So we did it, but but and we chose our own three core beliefs and they were max effort continuous growth and obviously the continuous growth goes right along with this coaching you like we're as coaches and players both you're continuously getting better at all areas of your life and then the third one was selfless love like we're gonna yep. love each other and, and it's true like you if i don't love the players they're not gonna play as hard for me but also if the players don't love each other they're not gonna play for each other and you teach them what real love is yep. it's not it's not the, the funny love it's the you know if you go back to your roommate and you're teammate wants to smoke weed are you like if you really love him you're gonna let him do that like that's not that's not what's best for him no no you teach him you teach him what it means to love love another man like he should be loved yeah and and that's uh the biggest thing is uh when uh, you know and uh, and i say this now all the time you know god if you ever said to that to another uh man that you loved him or something like that they say oh, what's wrong with that guy there's a, a, a ton of my friends now that are my best friends in coaching and in life, uh, almost to a man, my son, 35 years old, every time we talk, they literally all say, hey, I love your brother, you know, and stuff like that. That is the ultimate compliment you can have, in my opinion, is that no, when that is so I genuine. Agree. Yeah, so genuine and stuff. Tell, tell me this now. When in, in taking over now, Danny, uh, I'm sorry, Bobby has a fabulous year, good year, gets the Arizona State job, which is a terrific job. Uh, your athletic director at the time is the one who, and I, I know who he is, but tell, tell Dan, her. Yeah, so Danny White, his dad's, his dad's the AD at Kevin White's the AD at Duke. His brother's Mike White, the head coach at Florida, and his other brother, Brian White, just got the uh, FAU AD, job. AD job at Florida Atlantic. Right. So, so he's a little bit tied into yeah. the business, just a tad. <laughs> so Danny White. Uh, you know, who is, you know, obviously a, an incredible star in the business right now and uh, has done an amazing job at UCF where I, I used to be. He came after I, I was there. And, uh, and Mike is a dear friend of both of ours. And uh, But 
Tell me about him as an athletic director and how he gave, basically, he put his trust in you, right? No, you did. I mean, literally Thursday night, 5 o'clock, Bobby tells our team he took the Arizona State job. Danny immediately names me the interim head coach. And by Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, we're having a press conference. I mean, it was less than 48 hours later that he named me the permanent head coach. So, I mean, it was a long, spent a lot of time Thursday night talking, spent a lot of time Friday during the day talking to him. And he, he didn't open it up, didn't really, he didn't hire a search firm. He, he knew what he wanted to get done. And he, and I, to be honest with you, I didn't really build a, a great, strong relationship with him and as an assistant, because I, I didn't feel it was my job. I mean, sure. that was Bobby's job to deal with him. I just did my job. So for those of, you know, for those other coaches out there, just do the best job you can in your role and don't overstep your bounds. Because I think if I tried to go over the top and build a relationship with Danny and like, that, 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 that's fake, just do your job. He's going to recognize you doing your job. And when it, and when it's time for you to be recognized and, and you're going to have that chance, then if you'd done your previous job to the best of your ability, you're going to get that chance. So and that's that's what happened to me. Me and Danny spent a lot of time together in the, over that day and a half, and he hired me, and I had a great relationship with him until he took the UCF job. I still have a great relationship, <laughs> yeah. and then I talked to him yesterday. Yeah, I mean he's 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 a great. I mean somebody that you can call that's got a lot of credibility in the business, and you can you know bounce ideas off him Absolutely. or whatever whatever it may be. Let me ask you this: What was Danny? What were his questions? What uh, just to help our listeners. Uh, what kind of questions did he want to know from you when he, his conversations? I know it wasn't an interview. It's just talking. What did he want to find out about you that he didn't know before? Yeah, I mean, that that's good. So, I mean, it, it kind of was an interview because he needed to know if I could run the program. So, right. I mean, he, different stuff that had come out, you know, how I would have handled it. And, I, you know, there's nobody's perfect. So, sure. you know, how, how would I clean this area up? What? What what do you think about this? How would you ha- how would you have handled this? You know, different situations. I mean, you know, as it got towards the end, well, I remember one of the last questions. You know, I was a high school coach two years before, so he's yeah. like, Nate, you know, if I give you this job, how, how are you going to do when you're, you're looking down, looking down the uh, bench and you see Keith Dambrod down there at Akron, who's been here 15 years? And my my response was, listen. I'm not playing Keith one-on-one. My guy's got to be his guys. I'm going to put the better players on the floor. We're going to get him to play harder, and we're going to beat him. Like, I mean, all respect to Keith because he was – I mean, that's why he brought up Keith because of the job he had done at Akron. But he wanted to know, like, I'm not going to be intimidated by – Good question. Though. You know, yeah, it was a good question. But, I mean, there was a lot. And it was more how I would run the program, my philosophy, how – you know, and, so, and he he's not – now, he was a basketball assistant. He was an assistant at Ohio, so he knows more basketball yeah. than – than most ads but it still wasn't like he wasn't getting into a bunch of x's and o's even though he knows you know a lot more than most ads would it was more program how you run a, how, how how would you recruit what my assistants are going to look like like how do i think i'd perform a staff they, um i mean shoot about 12 hours worth of questions that <laughs> we could use a few podcasts up on all yeah, those. Yeah, no, and, you know, you know because a lot I, of that stuff. you know, obviously, you know, I think it's a really, you know, I, I you know, I think it's important because um, one of the biggest problems, and you and I will see it, you know, next week when we are at the Final Four, you know, there's 5,500 freaking coaches running around that place, and it's, uh, 
and, and it's embarrassing to me who's been in the business 44 years about some of the people that they run around almost with resumes in their hand trying and they're talking to everyone about a job and they're not loyal, especially if they have a job, to the person that they work for. And that really upsets me because I'm not old-fashioned by any means, but I'm all about values. And so I'm about, you know, you work for the guy that you work for. And if you don't want to work for him, then you tell him you don't want to work for him and you leave. And so uh, if someone taps you on the shoulder and says, I'd love to talk to you, I've been watching you, you're really good, that's a whole different deal. But, you know, but what what advice can you give to coaches now because, you know, uh, that are out there that, you know, to help themselves, if you, like, if you're, let's say, for instance, when you're looking for assistant coaches and you had to hire, what are the, the key things that you look for in hiring yeah, I, an assistant? Maybe. It's a That's great a- question because I've got, you know, and I, I've spent all that time in Detroit, like, you know, sure. back at Romulus and when you live there and I've got a lot of friends and I, I, I mean, th- to me, the number one thing is like you just said, loyalty. Like, I, I mean, shoot, you're going to go through some stuff as a head coach. There's going to be, it's a little different in college and high school that you got a lot of media attention. You're going to make some mistakes. There's going to be, you know, stuff happens on the floor, off the floor. They better have your back no matter what. So, and I, I felt like, you know, I've got a couple of guys, a few guys on staff that have been super loyal to me and, uh, that to me, that's number one above everything. Number two is they better be able to relate to the players. So I, I mean, you can have as well. You know, I mean, you be in the NBA, you can have some X and O. You know, supposing I don't know that there's too many geniuses in our game, but you can have some guy that's all into X's and O's. If you can't relate to the players, like what what difference does it make? Because you're never going to be able to portray it and get the. It doesn't matter how much you know as a coach. It matters what your players are able to do on the floor, and if they can't relate to the players if they're not willing to spend time with the players off the floor mm-hmm. to build a relationship to to actually build that relationship with them then they're worthless to me as an assistant because they can't you can't get the players to do anything so like i would say one loyalty two is ability to relate to the players which mm-hmm. i think goes hand in hand with ability to recruit because if you can sure. relate to players you can relate to recruits and their parents you're a people person and really it gets back to are you humble? Not Are you over yourself? Because people that are all into themselves don't typically relate that well to other people because people don't want to spend any time with somebody that's an arrogant, you know, self-promoting. Those those types, at least for me, they don't they don't they don't get me excited at all. I, I want a guy that's just humble, that wants to work hard, that can relate to players, that's willing willing to get out of his comfort zone to do something. You know, come come in with a kid struggling. Well, guess what? He might need to come in at, at 9 o'clock at night. And, and you know what? If you're not willing to do it, then you're probably in the wrong business. Or he may need to get in at 6 in the morning before class. And, and if you're not willing to do that as an assistant, then then it doesn't mean enough to you to win. And I'm not sure that, you know, we probably wouldn't fit together that well. Mm-hmm. So, to me, That's those good. are some of the qualities. I, and then, obviously, they got to know some basketball. I mean, you can't just – Sure. I want guys that study the game. Like, I want guys – like, when I buy the uh, – coaching you podcasts every year and i tell my staff like we're gonna you know we we look at them i can't make all of your clinics but i bought them every year you've had them it's they're great they're online i i bought them every single year i I want guys that want to study that stuff as much as me i don't want guys that think it's just recruiting like we we got study basketball and get better at basketball too yeah this is our class this is what we major in we major in basketball right and you know and 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 if you you 
you know, uh, I, I've I've said this lately. Um, the thing I love about you, Nate, is that uh, you know you're all about something that John Maxwell recently told me is that you know he said he asked people he asked me two questions and then now I'm doing it to the other people and I think it's really important and uh, you know he asked two questions he said are you interested in developing yourself and of course you know yeah of course I am and then the best the next question is the better one I think are you committed and interested in developing others. And I said, yes. He said, you now qualify to be a leader slash coach. And you know what? And that's that's the that's the simple answer, I think. And that's that's what you do so well, my friend. No, I appreciate it. And I think when we made one of our core beliefs continuous growth, that's what we had in mind. It wasn't continuous growth just for the players. It's for the entire program. Strength coach, trainer, assistant coaches head coach everybody's got to get better every day yeah and and that's the fun part of this well nate i really appreciate you taking time this has been fabulous for me i i I love talking to you because i learned a lot i can't wait to see you in august but hopefully maybe we'll bump into each other in san Antonio next week uh you know but congratulations on a fantastic year and i'm so proud of you and and so proud of what you've done with that program and it is fantastic and and you put you know, you and Bob, especially, have put the Buffalo uh, Bulls on the map, and it's a program. It's a national program now, and that is so cool. And no, I appreciate it. It's it, been fun doing it. And and you know, kids that are going to get a chance to come and play for you, they'll be the luckiest kids going. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Brennan. I really appreciate it, Nate. Incredible. Uh, you know, this is a guy that you know again really a guy that's coming in the field big time and uh, I think you'll see the secret to his success is the, the, the great relationships with his players and how hard they work at developing kids uh, loves his players as we all must and works with them intensely uh, again make sure we sign up uh, coachingyoulive.com uh, videos coachingyou.tv 349 is your last few days to get that then we go to our 399 price we have only a hundred seats in vegas don't miss out it's going to be the best event of all time that we've had till next week this is the coach brendan Serpent.